I, I just don't know who I would be without my culture as far as the person I would. I think uh, it humbles me, but also gives me strength to know that these are my values. These aren't only my values. These are the values I was raised with, you know, balance, having a balance in all things in your life. That's a traditional clinket value. Welcome to Voices of Sika Kwan. I'm Hannah Floor, and I'm here in Studio 2 at KFSK with Avery Herman Sakamoto. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Avery. And today on the show, we have an interview that Kari Peterson did with Billy Ware about his experience growing up in the Tlingit culture. And Avery, you told me that you really enjoyed listening to this conversation. I did. I, um, I found that I really identified with what he said and uh, recognized bits of my childhood in that. Um, yeah, I mean, you and Billy are both, were both raised in Petersburg, and you're both young people in your 20s. Um, and Billy's parents, Will and Christy Ware, were very intentional in the way that they raised their children with Lincoln values. And I asked Kari Peterson why she was so interested in interviewing Billy Ware. And she told me that she's known him his whole life. And, and she's always noticed his kindness and his natural leadership skills. And she admired him for that. She wanted to know more about his upbringing in the Thinket culture because of his parents and how, how conscious they were and um, how much effort they put into raising him that way. Hmm. All right, well, let's get to that conversation with Kari Peterson and Billy Ware. Welcome, Billy. Yeah, goodness cheese. Thank you for having me. So we are here today to talk about um, the Klinkit culture. Mm-hmm. And um, what was it like to grow up in the Klinkit cu- culture? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I guess at the time when you're a kid, you don't really realize the the difference in the, your lifestyle compared to other other children but it became pretty apparent as I went throughout school that our um, family dynamics were a little different than uh, traditional European cultures our extended families are, are aren't extended <laughs> they're they're very immediate and so when I see one of my cousins my girl cousins who are older than me they were just like my sisters if not my second mother's you consider those aunties all your second mothers, but um, yeah, they—if you did something or they told you to do something, you better do it. You know, yeah. it's uh, it takes a village to raise a child kind of deal. So our family dynamics were, were um, yeah, we were very close, tight knit. Okay. Yeah. So, any favorite memories you'd like to share from being a kid about? Yeah, I have uh, my earliest memory of our culture. We were in my parents were in the Salvation Army. We were stationed in Haines, and we went to Kluckwan. And uh, I remember, I can't remember the reason for the potluck, but um, yeah, I remember they were dancing and everyone had on their, their regalia and I remember my dad up there dancing and, uh, you know, just the songs and drummed and they have such a strong culture in, in Klokwan that uh, it, it was just amazing to see from a young age that it's imprinted on my memory. Yeah. Oh, nice. So when did you first realize that you... Um, might be being raised a little differently than some of your peers? Mm. I really noticed it when my parents 
joined back up with the Salvation Army, and we moved down to California in L.A., and that was a culture shock, oh, absolute wow. culture shock, because, um, I mean, it, I noticed a difference about middle school when, uh, fifth grade middle school was when I was, we were being raised a little different than the kids around here, because we would go out and, uh, you know, we'd harvest marine mammals, we'd go, we lived pretty subsistent, you know, yeah. lifestyle, you know, having four children, five, three children, and not making a lot of money we lived off the land my dad knew how to do that very well and so yeah he just taught us that you know how to respect the land um only take what you need yeah that's a big thing and um yeah he just taught us how to how to pretty much survive out you know southeast alaska and so when we moved down to california that was just completely different wild <laughs> it uh it the the respect for elders i noticed was different in school, um, there wasn't as much of that, and uh, and how you converse with people too. You okay. you know the basic respect, and uh, you don't over talk somebody. You don't that it was it was just a little different. People were a lot more fast paced, and they didn't put a lot of thought into uh, into other people. I, I would imagine. And how how old were you when you moved mm-hmm. to LA? I was I was in sixth grade. We we weren't down there very long, about okay. nine months, and it's about all we could take. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a lot. My yeah. kids talk about that, about how um, going, like, Gus right now is living right outside of New York mm. City. <clears throat> and um, just how different, you know, like, people don't take boats and planes to go to sporting events and yeah. things like that. Oh, just yeah. going south for them was kind of really eye-opening. It was like, sure. oh, we're kind of different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So how did you feel about that at the time, about the different culture and the differences? Um, at the time, I was, kids thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. The kids down, down south in, in California thought I was pretty interesting. Uh, they really liked to, it was like, I came from a different time period to them. Yeah. But, you know, up here, how much of the geography affects the culture and the way people live is a big deal. So everyone knows how to, you know, go trolling here, fishing, hunting. So we're all similar in that aspect where we can know how to live here. I think it's just the way we view the view nature and the, and the geography we live in, in each other. I think that's the only difference in... in uh, between the Klinka culture and uh, the predominant European culture, it's just how we view it. And we all we all fish here. We all you know yeah. subsistence. It's just uh, the reasons why and how we how we treat nature too. I think and yeah. is is a big difference. Yeah, because so. my family does a lot of subsistence, mm-hmm. um, hunting and fishing, and and my grandparents were born here as well, but they. Um, but it's it's still different, yeah, even though there's there might be respect taught and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's taught in a different way. Taught in different ways for sure, yeah. absolutely. And your dad said the most profound thing to me last week too was um, about hunting or fishing or something out. It must have been over by Leconte. Um, just about how long your family has been hunting mm-hmm. and fishing on these grounds. Mm-hmm. 
you know, just mm-hmm. thousands of years. Yep. And that's very different. Like, cause my grandmother grew up over there on, on Camp Island. And okay. I, um, <clears throat> but they're Western and they didn't, I knew my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was the first generation to hunt or fish on that land. And then when your dad had said that to me, like, wow, that's, that's pretty profound. Yeah, it's uh, it's humbling. <laughs> it yeah. really is. No, and it's uh, uh, without getting too spiritually involved in it, it's there's something. It, it is it's special knowing that yeah. you know where people have been hunting here for thousands of years, and it's 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 surreal sometimes. You know, you feel at home out there. You you know that you know maybe my great grandpa loved this spot. His dad must have loved this spot. You know, because my dad knows about it, and he yeah, yeah. how far back those generations go. It's uh yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. And that oral tradition, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah, the oral tradition is is huge. If you learn how to, Clinkets were very, made a very clear point to be articulate when they're speaking, and uh, and and very respectful and accurate too as well. Yeah. yeah. We speak because we didn't have any written language. You know, we didn't we didn't write anything out. Everything was passed on. Uh, or you know traditionally by stories or oratory and um so i think their language was pretty pretty advanced really i think i think it was it was pretty advanced because you had to be able to explain a lot of things without writing them down and yeah and be precise and be precise because when you're out there surviving again you have no room for errors you know (laughs) Yes, and I've had a few, and now that you say that, I've had a few experiences um, just in, while working with Voices of Seed Kwan, where I'll say something and one of the other women will say, well, did they say this or did they say that? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then you have to be very precise because they mean two different things. Yeah, and, and you could really risk offending some people too if you, yeah. if you, miss, yeah, if you misspeak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how do you feel about your experience, you know, now that you're an adult and having the different experience of moving to California? Um, right now, I, uh, I look back on it and I'm very appreciative. I'm very, I appreciate the, the way I was raised. It, it's given me a different mindset than most people. You talk to a lot of people and they'll tell you I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a different way of thinking for sure. For sure, and uh, I think a lot of that has to be do has to do with being raised outdoors and seeing, um, just having a different interpretation of nature and uh, the use the use of it. It, it. I think it gives you a different uh, mindset. Yeah. Um, and I can't really explain much further on that. It's kind of hard to explain what goes on in my head. <laughs> but I, uh, I am very appreciative. It gives me a different insight to, to, to the world, I believe. Yeah. I, I, I think the same thing with my family and other traditional um, Tlingit people as well. And, uh, yeah, I think we need, to, we need to encourage that more so than uh, try to change the way they think. Yeah. I think there's a place in the world that that mindset's needed. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm. Definitely. Um, and there seems to be a real um, awakening of indigenous cultures, not just the Tlingit culture, mm-hmm. but... And it's... Um, 
I've often wondered if it's not just um, in part because I know that it's wanting to save the languages and Mm -hmm. the culture from extinction. But also there's such a movement, and you see it with Sea Alaska, um, where they're getting out of the logging business and moving into, um, like, the renewable resources Mm -hmm. and the the, um, sustainable harvest and things from the ocean. And, yeah, it seems like there's a real movement in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been a real... um cultural revitalization as far as the language goes it, it, it was almost to my knowledge it was almost extinct not very long ago almost wiped out for gone but in the last couple of years they're i mean they're just offering classes in, in uh in uas i mean i applied for college actually and i'm hopeful i'm gonna i plan on going in the fall term and for uh starting off taking english and clique at oh, language nice. classes and just because i believe that if you can you know if you articulate yourself clearly yeah you're, you're a pretty powerful force but and it would help learning the clinket culture too because it just is so interesting and yeah. uh, intricate. Well, and Lance Twitchell, he's the mm-hmm. one teaching mm-hmm. at UAS, and um, he was here um, in February and teaching, and I got to take one of his classes. Oh, nice. And I learned so much just yep. in an hour from him, not just about the language, but. Um, the language is intertwined with the the food, the, the culture. culture yeah. You know, it's um, the, the you know how they perceive nature, and the, yeah. that's uh, all involved in the language for sure. Absolutely, it, there's a lot deeper. Um, it's old; it's an ancient language, so it's yeah. it's very uh, yeah. It's and very I good. loved he told me too that if because you know how you put the little underline under certain mm-hmm. letters. And if you don't underline the K in Quan, it means smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it makes you think of how much of our traditional stories are misinterpreted almost at that point. You know, yeah. it, it's just, it's interesting to think about. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to educating myself a little bit more on the on the subject. Yeah. But, that'll be fun. When are you going to school? Uh, hopefully this fall. Okay. You know, I got a lot of things going on, but it was always a goal to go back. And so I... Always well, the clink of language, and I know a little bit, but nothing compared to my dad or any you know yeah. these language, you know speakers. And I, I'm, I'm very, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Nice. So, how do you feel the clinket culture um, has shaped who you are? Um, boy, in all sort, uh, it's, it is who I am. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's kind of hard to explain. I, I just don't know who I would be without my culture as far as the person I would. I think uh, it humbles me, but also gives me strength to know that uh, these are my values. These aren't only my uh, values. These are the values I was raised with, you know, balance, having a balance in all things in your life. That's a traditional clinket value. You know, you got to, if you're if you're too off balance, your whole spectrum is going to be off. And uh, so being stable. And I think that has a, that could be that could go a long ways in today's world as far as mental health concerns. Um, you know, just keeping that balance in your life, uh, listening to people who are older than you, and actually taking advice because they've made it this far, so they might know something. Yeah, that's a good thing to know. Um, yeah, and just don't don't take more than you need. <laughs> don't take more than you need. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. 
this world's tough and you got to be tough too. Clingets, you know, they, they they did a lot of practices, you know, like going and sitting in the cold water in the mornings year round to people say it was spiritual. It's, it's just a, you know, you got to be tough in this world. So that, that was thing for to be a clinket, you had to be strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well spoken. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many different values and the society was so intricate that it's kind of hard to uh, narrow down all those values into who I am. It's, it's. Yeah. So it, it, but it, I hear you saying you like that structure of the values. Yeah. And what it brings to your life. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And it, it, it makes me who I am. Yeah. And it offers you that guidance too, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It does. Of how to make choices. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. In a in a world overrun with choices, I feel like. Oh from, yeah. From when I was a kid to now, it's just there's so many. So many choices, choices out there. It's overwhelming yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to narrow them down. This, what, you know, <laughs> value sets are good. Yeah. Good, good uh, mappings. So. so, are you still discovering things about your upbringing and culture? Oh yeah, this like I said, the culture is so intricate that you could, I mean, people study it, study yeah. clinical history and culture for that you could spend a lifetime doing it. Just one one society, uh, native society. It's um, yeah, every every like celebration every year, you always learn something different. Celebration in Juno, yeah, you know, you always learn you know different dance techniques, you uh, different words, language. There's so much to learn. You could spend a lifetime trying to learn all the different cultural intricacies with the with the clinking culture so um yeah i'm learning so stuff every day from my dad can you think of something that that you've learned fairly recently that was just kind of like surprised you pleasantly surprised you that was like oh i didn't i didn't that. realize how far uh we traded how far south we traded okay how yeah, far south did you down trade? to san francisco bay as far as i know and um all the way out some Polynesian islands. I mean, the Polynesian, and this is kind of, I don't know how, um, I don't want to say mainstream, but if this is actual viable knowledge that that's being taught, but you know, the, the Polynesians, they have, they came over to trade for our trees. I had no idea. And my dad, uh, when they met up with some of the Polynesians, when they came over to talk about with Clink and Haida, they, they actually had words for Haida people. Oh, wow. Yeah, as their yeah. own word. And so that was interesting. And just realizing the the different trade routes and the, the, their own, um, yeah, their own, uh, how far they went. And it just, it really, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. I was just listening to a story um, Janine Gibbons had brought in, mm-hmm. her boyfriend, who's Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking about the Hawaiian culture for and how they followed the birds oh, okay. to, and then they would go out the next year and to, to find their way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It, and that was oral tradition mm-hmm. that passed down. But, and I know too, when you see the Maori and their art form, mm. you, you gotta think that there's some connection there because it's so similar yeah yeah for sure so that's that's something that really interests me actually is uh how far they were trading their sea of voyaging how uh well their their canoes were made and uh yeah that 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 pleasantly surprised me yeah okay well that's kind of interesting 
So is there anything in particular about your culture you look forward to passing on or teaching? Uh, yeah, that balance. Yeah, that balance. I, that balance. I think that's a very important part of life, trying yeah. to figure out uh, not to have too many highs, not to have too many lows. And <laughs> if you can maintain a steady, you know, a steady mindset and a balance in, in your life, then uh, yeah. with a little bit of luck, hopefully you'll be good in <laughs> hard work. Uh, that's that's a big thing. I would say keep trying to keep a balance in, in your life is, is, is key and um, having respect. Okay. For, for not only for yourself but for other people in nature. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Well, you've never, because um, my oldest son is in the same grade mm-hmm. as you. Gus, yeah. Well, yeah. We're on the wrestling up. team together. Yeah. And um, some people are eager to, to get out of town, you know, after high school or something, mm-hmm. but you never struck me as being that way. You just seem to really enjoy your life. And the no, hunting and fishing, and I mean, I don't know you very yeah. well, but you seem to really enjoy what you do. I do, I do. I, um, of course, the winters are tough. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yes, no, are. I do. I I enjoy living here. I got itchy feet. I like traveling though, but that could yeah. be part of my clinic culture too. They they like yeah. traveling, but um, yeah, this is home. This is somewhere I'm comfortable. As brutal as it can be sometimes, and cold and tough. This is I know how to live and survive here. Yeah, I know a lot of the. You know, the old forts and the old uh, clan houses where they used to be. And, I mean, my great-grandpa Billy was born up the Stikine River. So, I mean, it's it is, it's home. It's been home for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, uh, I enjoy I like Southeast. I love Southeast. It's definitely home. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in today and talking to me. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Good enough, And a big thanks to Billy Ware for sitting down with Kari Peterson for an interview. And now we're going to move on to El Sorencitkaquan, a segment where we announce Indigenous-centered PSAs for the community. And uh, we have a lot this week. Um, the first one, Petersburg Indian Association will reimburse tribal members up to $300 towards hotel and travel for Celebration 2022. Reimbursement applications will be posted on the PIA website immediately following Celebration 2022. And that website is piatribal.org. PIA Basic Needs Project aims to provide assistance to people and families who require help and supplies eligible members with toiletries and cleaning supplies. There is no deadline and is open to all enrolled tribal members at PIA. You can find the application at piatribal.org. And PIA still has herring eggs available for all community members. Limit is one bag per household and pickup is during business hours. A huge thanks to council members Brendan Norheim and Marianne Rainey for helping beg, and a special thanks to Rick McKay for the donation of eggs. And that's for all community members, not just tribal members here in Petersburg, right? Yeah. Okay, great. And you can pick up at Petersburg Indian Association. Um, I have one here that is a note that the ONAC, the Oklahoma Native Assets Coalition, offers free financial coaching by phone and teleconference to American Indians and Alaska Natives, regardless of where they reside in the U.S. For any questions about these financial coaching services, contact Christy Feinsel, Oklahoma Native Assets Coalition Executive Director, at 405-720-0770 or cfinsel at oknativeassets.org. 
And this information is also posted on the Petersburg Indian Association Facebook page, if that went a little too quick for you. What else do you have, Avery? PIA plans to create a list of email addresses and cell phone numbers capable of receiving text messages in hopes of improving communication with tribal members. If you'd like to receive emails and or texts related to PIA events, please send your contact information to tribaladmin at piatribal.org. Your information will not be shared with anyone outside of PIA. And we've got a lot of jobs available with PIA. PIA is now accepting applications for an Indian Environmental General Assistance Program assistant for the summer, otherwise known as IGAP assistance. This position helps with environmental sampling and working with the composting operation here in town. Find the full job description and application on the PIA website at piatribal.org slash employment. AMPIA is hiring for a fish, wildlife, and parks program team supervisor. This job may include physical labor and may be physically demanding, as much of the work is completed in the field. Applications are available at piatribal.org or at the PIA offices. And the Petersburg Indian Association is also hiring for a Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Program youth team member. Team members will gain work experience through working in different local natural resource management fields. And this could include jobs in fisheries, botany, forestry, wildlife, law enforcement, plants, archaeology, or aquaculture. And applications are available at the PIA offices or at piatravel.org. That's it for Elsewhere in Sikakwan. Thanks for joining me, Avery. Thanks for having me. And thanks for listening to another episode of Voices of Sikakwan. Voices of Sikakwan is recorded and produced on Tlingit Ani, the historical homeland of the Tlingit people, but also the current homeland and the land that holds their future. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Sitka Kwan. This show is a collaboration between the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee, KFSK Community Radio, and the Petersburg Public Library. It is made possible, in part, by a grant from the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the Alaska State Libraries, Archives, and Museums. It is also made possible by the generosity of our participants, including the volunteers on our content committee. We thank them for their enthusiasm and dedication. To participate in Voices of Sitka Kwan, contact Kari Peterson at the Petersburg Public Library. Archives of past shows can also be found at sitkavoices.org. That's S-E-E-T-K-A voices.org, as well as on Spotify and Apple Media. Gunakchish. Ha ji es he de shik tu a ta. He he.